Well, howdy! This podcast is a proud member of the PopCon Go Network. PopCon Go. Family-friendly shows that are fun for everyone. Welcome to Elderberry Tales. Grab your secret decoder ring. It's time for a story. Today's story is The Chukar Caper, Part 2, by William Stair. This is Part 2 of a multi-part story, so make sure that you've already listened to Part 1 before listening any further. The next morning, Trooper was in his favorite place, under the kitchen table while his human family gathered for breakfast. Today, it was pancakes and bacon. Trooper loved both, especially if there was maple syrup on them. And there was. As it happened, the grandfather of the family was visiting, and he was the soft touch of the family— What that meant was all Trooper had to do was rest his head on the old man's knee, look up at him with pleading eyes, Trooper preferred to think of them as emitting hypnotic commands, and plenty of goodies made their way from plate to dog mouth. This scheme was working perfectly, when one of the children came running in with a newfound treasure. Look what I found in the grass by the blueberry bush! He'd been scrounging for late-season blueberries to put on his pancakes. A copper feather! He held it up for all to see. As soon as he saw it, Trooper recognized it from the dead mechanical partridge of the day before. He'd hidden the thing carefully under the big fir tree in the corner of the yard, but he must have missed this feather. Huh, that looks familiar, said the father of the family. Mrs. Coronet, down the street, raises birds, and I recall her mentioning that one had escaped. She described it as copper-colored. After breakfast, I'll take Trooper for a walk and show her the feather. Immediately, the children began jumping around and yelling that they wanted to go, too. Just like pups, thought Trooper. No, no, you know we're taking Grandpa down to the big park by the lake, said their mother. The yelling immediately changed to, The lake! The lake! Yes, just like pups, chuckled Trooper to himself, always excited about something. It was a major undertaking to get all the children into their car seats, the grandfather and mother into the front seats, and various refreshments stowed in the back. But finally the big car rumbled out of the drive and down the street. Trooper hated cars. They made him queasy. Now it was just the father and him. Father slipped a leash onto Trooper's collar and took the other end. Trooper liked that, because he knew that way his human wouldn't wander off and get lost. They had no sense of direction. He knew where the Coronet house was. Even though she'd only moved in at the beginning of the summer, He'd already run afoul of Mrs. Beryl Coronet and didn't like her at all. She was a small woman who always wore one of those strange shapeless hats so popular with older humans. 
She had thick, round glasses that made her eyes look huge, and a small, pointy, turned-down nose that looked just like the beak of a bird. Finally, she always had on a long, old-fashioned dress that covered her arms and the rest of her all the way down to the ground. You couldn't even see her feet. Trooper didn't like her house, either. It was tall and narrow, sitting way back from the road. It had a slate roof and was made of dark red bricks. The windows were black eyes that peered out at you, just like Beryl Coronet did through her glasses. When they walked up, the old lady was in the yard, bent over, watering her zinnias. Hello, Mrs. Coronet, called Trooper's human. The old woman rose stiffly and looked at him through her thick glasses. Who are you? she asked, in a surprisingly strong voice. It was high and screechy. I'm your neighbor from down the street, the man replied. Who? I'm Ben, and this is my dog Trooper, he said loudly. Trooper knew Mrs. Coronet was hard of hearing and very nearsighted. This could take a while. What? The woman took a few limping steps nearer and glared through her glasses at nothing in particular. My dog, Trooper, he yelled. Where? She took a few steps closer. Right by my side. The man pointed at Trooper, who raised a paw and waved. Thinking to move the conversation along, the man held up the copper feather. I found this feather. When? This morning. Where? In my backyard, and I thought you might know something about it. Why? A few steps closer. Because you raise copper-colored birds, and you told me that one had gotten away, he screamed. How do you know, and why are you screaming? She was quite close now. She looked through those thick glasses at the man, trooper, and the feather. Looks like feather from one of my chukar partridges, she continued. One got away Tuesday. They're not good flyers, and I'm afraid a dog might get it. She glared accusingly right at Trooper and flapped her arms at her side. She really did look like a huge owl about to pounce, at least to Trooper. You told me one of your birds was missing the last time we talked, I found no bird, just this feather, said the man, trying to calm the old woman. She turned her attention back to him and softened her manner. I keep forgetting myself. Please, come in the house. I've made some lemonade and it's very refreshing. You can tie up your dog by the front door. My birds don't like dogs. She turned and limped toward her mysterious house. When the man didn't follow right away, she turned and said, Come on, I won't bite. A small smile appeared beneath her beak-like nose, but her saucer eyes didn't smile at all. To Trooper, she looked very much like she might bite. His man tied Trooper to a post at the front of the house and went inside with the woman. If only I could hear what she says, thought Trooper. He pressed the clip of the leash with his paw, and it fell from his collar. 
It was a trick every dog knows. He trotted around the corner of the house, hoping for an open window. No, they were all closed tight. At the back of the house, there was a large cage, and in it, sitting silently on a wooden perch, were six chukar partridges. They moved not a feather, nor turned their heads as Trooper slipped closer. He sniffed the air and caught the smell of machine oil, the same smell he recalled from the mechanical bird Theo had caught, and Overton had crushed. Beryl Coronet's flock was not what it seemed. Trooper could hear voices from inside the house. One was his human's voice, but the other he didn't recognize. It was not that of Mrs. Coronet. Its hissing tone reminded him of something unpleasant that he couldn't quite remember. He slipped back to the porch and reattached the leash just as they came back out. His human was holding a paper-wrapped package in his hand. Thank you so much for clearing up the mystery, Mrs. Coronet, he said. And thank you for the seed cake. The family will love it. Not at all, dear boy, she screeched in reply. And take good care of your lovely doggy. Even though her words were kind, Trooper could see the glare in her big eyes. Bye-bye now, she finished, and turned back to the house. When they got back to their house, the man had whistled Bye-bye Blackbird all the way home. They found the rest of the family was already there. The kids were in their usual wild mood, running and fighting and laughing. Their grandfather was stretched out on the couch, pretending to be asleep, but then suddenly grabbing any kid that ventured too close. The mother seemed happy, too. She had a full basket of blackberries they had picked down by the lake. The kids still had their swimming suits on. How was Boscombe Park? asked the father, stopping his irritating whistle. Lovely, she replied, giving him a hug. We swam at the copper beaches. Trooper knew these were new beaches, with lots of coppery sand that had been trucked in by the park people. The water was just right, she said. And look, so many berries. Usually the raccoons and birds get most of them, but they were almost untouched. Oh, and I saw one of those coppery birds flying around near the beach. You know, like the feather we found? Feather? Coppery birds? No, I don't seem to recall, replied the father, a confused look on his face. Well, we did. You were going to ask Mrs. Coronet about it. Oh, that reminds me. We did visit her. What a sweet old lady. She gave me this seed cake to bring back for the family. He set the package on the table, and the question about the bird feather was forgotten, but not by Trooper. That night, after supper, the family had seed cake for dessert. Within an hour, they were all drowsy and went to bed, amazingly early for those night birds. Once he was sure they were asleep, Trooper slipped out of the house and down the street to a small woods near the highway. Several homeless humans had set up camp there, and one of them had a dog that Trooper had made friends with. The dog was a Scottish terrier, with bristly black fur sticking out in all directions. Trooper thought of the dog as his Baker Street urchin, 
and often employed him on an irregular basis to run errands. Jock, are you there? whispered Trooper. Aye, laddie, or else would I be. My man is deep into his second bottle of wine, so I'm free as a bird for the night, replied the dog. Many times Jog had to stand guard due to marauding coyotes, but he said, The coyotes seem to have disappeared for the time being. Excellent. I need you to get word to three of my friends. You already know where to find them from previous occasions. Trooper told Jock exactly what to tell his friends. Well, the plot thickens. I wonder what message Trooper had for Jock. Do you have any ideas? Something suspicious is definitely going on with Mrs. Coronet. Well, don't worry. You don't have to wait long. I'll be back in one week with the thrilling conclusion to this story. Thanks again to William Stair for writing this story and so many others for me to share with you. And thanks to you for listening to Elderberry Tales. I'll see you next week.